Thank you for listening to our Emmanuel Baptist Church podcast sermon series by Pastor Sean Cole. Emmanuel exists to display God's glory, declare God's gospel, and to disciple for God's great commission. If you have any questions about this message or would like more information about our church, you can visit our website at www.ebc-online.org. Now here's Pastor Sean. We're so thankful he's come to bless us. Um, he's going to be preaching from the Old Testament, which I'm excited to hear. And so let's give a, a warm welcome to Dr. Proud as he comes and shares the word with us this morning. Thank you, Pastor. <clears throat> well, good morning, everyone. It is such a, an honor and a privilege to be here with you this morning on a Sunday morning to open the word. I would have you take your Bibles and turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 4, and um, as you're doing that, let me give you a little bit of introduction about who I am and where I've come from. You know, Pastor Sean said that I came from California, and I I get that has all kinds of reaction, right? So some different emotion about all of that. So I was born in Southern California. My folks divorced when I was about eight and we relocated to Colorado. So from Colorado, from eight years old on, I grew up in East Boulder County uh, in Lafayette, Colorado. I graduated from Colorado Christian University. Um, I was saved in a small little Southern Baptist church there in Lafayette. My wife is a native of Boulder, which we, uh, you know, when we were here before, we used to refer to as 10 square miles surrounded by reality. And, and then came back and realized, well, not a lot has changed. So then I went to, to Kansas City, went to seminary at Midwestern, um, pastored in Cameron, Missouri for about five years, which is rural Missouri, then came back to Colorado, pastored for seven years at Trinity Baptist Church in Aurora, and then the Lord took us to the foreign mission field where we spent 16 years in California. I was uh, the senior pastor of Arbor Christian Fellowship in Lake Forest, which is just three miles down the street from a little church you might have heard of called Saddleback. Um, And then for the last 10 years before coming back to Colorado, I was the director of missions for the Orange County Southern Baptist Association. And uh, so I'm grateful that the Lord brought us home. And that's how it feels that we've come home. I'm grateful for you and your partnership in what you do and what you help us do in Colorado and, and in uh, the, the United States and beyond. Because of your partnership in the cooperative program, you have an equal part of 3,500 missionaries serving overseas. That's amazing when you think about it, that, that you are a part of helping reach Korean-speaking people and Spanish-speaking people and Chinese-speaking people, and Tagalog-speaking people, and, and, and Arabic-speaking people, and, and it doesn't really matter what the language is. There are probably not many of us in this room that can speak any of those languages, but we have a part through partnership in reaching those people with the gospel. We have a part in church planting, where, there are, where there's a gospel witness that doesn't exist in an area or is underserved in an area. You've had an equal part in seeing those take place. And then across Colorado, you have an equal part in the support and the ministry and the encouragement to other churches. So on behalf of our almost 400 sister churches in Colorado, 
I bring you greetings. Thank you again, Pastor, for giving me the opportunity to come and to thank you and to be here with you this morning. So I want you to, as I said, take your Bible, and we're looking at 2 Kings chapter 4. Um, I apologize, I didn't ask what translation you usually read from. I'm reading from the New American Standard, so if it's a little different than yours, that will be the reason. 2 Kings chapter 4, starting in verse 1. Now a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that your servant feared the Lord, and the creditor has come to take my two children to be his slaves. Elisha said to her, What shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? And she said, Your maidservant has nothing in the house except a jar of oil. And he said, Go, borrow vessels at large for yourself and from your neighbors, even empty vessels, do not get a few. And you shall go in and shut the door behind you and your sons, and pour out into these vessels, and you shall set aside what is full. So she went from him and shut the door behind her and her sons, and they were bringing the vessels to her, and she poured. When the vessels were full, she said to her son, Bring me another vessel. And he said to her, There is not one vessel more. And the oil stopped. Then she came and told the man of God, and he said, Go sell the oil and pay your debt, and you and your sons can live on the rest. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the testimony of your word. How, Father, through your word you you share with us who you are you share with us our responsibilities and you share with us your ability lord that you have the ability to to circumvent any circumstance that we may be in you have the ability lord to penetrate any heart regardless of how hard father you there is no word impossible in heaven because father for you all things are possible and so lord we pray that that these this text will be an encouragement to us, that, that it will be a place of helping us to hold tight in those situations and circumstances we find ourselves in that are difficult and trying and hard, that as we sang the songs a little bit ago that talk about how we'll be singing when the evening comes. Lord, you are faithful in all things, and I pray that this will be a reminder for us, a testimony for us of that very fact. Lord, we love you and we praise you. We ask your blessings upon this time of teaching. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, Pastor Sean said, you, you preach whatever it is that the Lord lays on your heart. One of the things that I have experienced as I've traveled across Colorado and I've met with churches and, and pastors and, and church leaders is that th there is a level of discouragement across our convention and our churches and there's a a level of isolation and you know sometimes we find ourselves in that place where things get difficult or hard and and we can endure for a time but in our own strength we fail don't we and unless we rely on the lord unless we rely on his faithfulness and and what the scriptures bear for us as a testimony of what he's able to do we find ourselves at the end of ourselves. 
And so this, this was a word that, that I felt that the Lord wanted me to bring. You know, I, I heard of Dawn's time in the hospital and of elders that you have that are also struggling in the hospital. And I know that it's not just even major things. There are circumstances that people are facing in their jobs and with their finances and things. That for, for us, it's good to remember what the Lord can do and what He desires to do through us. The testimony of Scripture, both Old and New Testament, is this. There is nothing impossible for God. Amen? Nothing impossible for God. It's the declaration that we celebrated, the, the manifestation of just at Christmas time, where Gabriel said to Mary, you're going to be with child. And she said, how is that possible? I've never known a man. And Gabriel says, with God, nothing is impossible. It is the same thing that we read about with the raising of the dead, the walking on water, the healing of the sick, the parting of waters. All of these things are testimonies to the power that God has. But the miracles of Scripture serve for us as monuments, don't they? As our, our own faith experiences are monuments, like the, the instruction to take 12 stones out of the Jordan River when the waters had, had uh, stopped so that Israel could cross over. What was the reason for those stones coming out of the water? It was so that not just that generation, but successive generations could see God did this. This is a testimony to what He could do. And all of the, the examples and the miracles and things like that of Scripture are for us those reminders that God, and we've spent a lot of time in Hebrews this morning reading Scriptures and, and that, that Hebrews 13, 7 and 8 tell us that, that He, the Lord, the Lord Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and what? Forever. There is that consistency all the way through. There's nothing impossible for God. But there are times, if we're honest, when that faith wanes just a little bit. And we look at those things that have happened, and we say, but that was then, and I live now. But again, that testimony of Christ being the same in all things, that the power of God is the same in all times, is that what He did then, He can do now. I'm convinced that the, the miracles of Scripture are not just there so that we'll go, wow, wasn't that cool what God did? But that it will strengthen us in our faith so that we would be people who step forward in faith. And there seems to be this partnership. And I, and I want to just, I just want to confess that I don't understand everything about this. But there seems to be this partnership. We know God is faithful in all things, but there's something about faith that unlocks the power of God. There's something about faith, the faith of His people. Now, there are times when God acts independent of that, but many examples that we have in Scripture are where God's ability is there and something happens when His people step out in faith. And that's an example that we have in our text for this morning, that we see that, that faith unlocks amazing things. And I want us to walk through this text this morning and look at the example of this widow and what took place 
and to see how faith in the Lord unlocks great things. So we're going to walk through the outline that you've got uh, this morning, and I want us to look at the, the first point, the first piece of how faith in the Lord unlocks great things, and it's this, that there are times when an overwhelming problem exists. That's what's described for us in verse 1. When I was pastoring, and I was a pastor for 18 years in three different churches, when I was pastoring, the Lord revealed something to me that I believe with all of my heart to be true, although my confession is, I don't know that I always lived in it. Okay? But it's this, that when something came our way that seemed like a problem, this statement is true. This is not a problem. This is an opportunity for God to come through. This is not a problem. This is an opportunity for God to come through. If we believe that God is omniscient, and we believe that God is, uh, is omnipotent, and we believe that God is omnipresent in all things, he's, He knows all things, He's in all places, and He has all power, then what else could be our conclusion other than this is not a problem, this is an opportunity for God to come through. Folks, God's never up in heaven wringing His hands, wondering, oh no, what am I going to do now? He is sovereign over all things. The sustainer over all things. And then that should give us confidence when we face difficulties that come our way. Many times those difficulties for us is the platform by which God demonstrates who He is again and afresh in our lives. Because sometimes it's the difficulties and problems in our life that strip away all the superfluous things and cause us to come back to the essentials, to come back to what's really important. In verse 1, let's look at the, the example here. In verse 1, we're introduced to a widow who had a real-life problem. Her husband had died, and she was unable to take care of the debt that had been uh, accrued by her husband. Now remember, in this day, in, in Old Testament, just as, as the same in the culture in the New Testament, that women had very little rights and very little ability to provide for themselves without a husband or sons of an age that they could earn money and bring money into the home. And so here's this woman with a, a real problem. Her, her husband has passed, and the implication is that these children are under working age. They're dependent children living in her house. And the creditor has told her that he is going to take away her children as his slaves in payment of the debt that was owed to him. Now, I think there's an intentionality in the setting here. And the intentionality is to demonstrate that here is a woman with a real-life problem. Her back is up against the wall, and she has very little, if any, recourse that she can get out of her, her situation. Does that sound familiar? That's where, where we were as people before we came to Christ. People with a debt that we could not pay. So here's this circumstance that's laid out before her. She has no recourse on her own. Her back is against the wall. Whatever language that you would use, she's, she's at the end of herself, at the end of her rope. And here, here's the reality. She had a debt. She couldn't pay her debt. And the creditor was within his rights 
to take her children in payment of that debt. She had nowhere to turn. For all intents and purposes, we would say this looked like an impossible situation. This looked like a situation that was certainly overwhelming. All right, let's look at the second, the second stage which reveals how faith unlocks great things. In verses 2 through 4, what we see is an instruction or an evidence of this woman who seek the Lord. That was what she did. She sought the Lord. In verse 1, the text tells us that she cried out to Elisha. Now, Elisha was known as the man of God. As she came to Elisha in this context, it was like her crying out to God himself, looking for answers. And so she came, and and I, I want you to notice what she did not do. Folks, if we're honest with one another, we know that when we get ourselves into a situation where we kind of backed up against the wall, we're not sure where to go, we can grasp for answers, right? We can try to fix it ourselves. But I want you to notice what she didn't do. She didn't go to her friends and borrow money so that she could pay her debt because she would have still had the same debt, right? She didn't go to the creditor and ask for an extension on a loan which maybe these are some things that might run through our minds if we were in a similar circumstance. Here's what she did. She went to the man of God and spoke to him and asked for counsel. She sought the Lord. She sought the Lord's in this situation. I want you to look at verse 2. Verse 2 tells us that as she came to the man of God, He asked her this question, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? Now, there's no doubt that this widow, in this circumstance, probably scoured her home already looking for whatever she might be able to sell to to be able to pay the debt so that her sons could stay with her. And as she searched through the home, clearly, She didn't find anything of value. Otherwise, she probably would have sold that. But she turned again to the Lord for help. And so her response to the man of God is, your maidservant has nothing in the house except a jar of oil. Now, in other words, she's saying, I really don't have anything of value. I just have this jar of oil. The Hebrew word for jar here means flask. It means probably a two to three ounce bottle that was used for anointing. Not enough to cover the debt that she had. And so here she finds herself with this oil and probably thinking in her mind, how in the world can a little two or three ounce jar of oil help in a circumstance like this? But Elisha gives her instructions. I want you to look with me at verses 3 and 4. Let's let's read those together. He says, Then he said, Go borrow vessels at large for yourself from all of your neighbors. Even empty vessels do not get a few. And you shall go in and shut the door behind you and your sons and pour out into all these vessels and you shall set aside what is full. So the instruction that he gave her was instruction that, I, I don't know about you, I, I, I try to read this from 
how in the moment she might have heard that. How in the world does getting a five-gallon bucket increase the amount of oil that you have if it's only two or three ounces? But that's the instruction that she was given. You have this much, a fixed amount, go get a lot of vessels. And that was the instruction that was given to her. From human perspective, it, it may not have made sense to her but the amount of oil that she had was set and she's, she's now moving forward. I want you to look with me at the third stage that reveals how faith unlocks great things, and that is the crisis of belief, verses 5 and 6. Now, I borrowed that. Most of you are familiar with that phrase. I borrowed that from Henry Blackaby in his study, Experiencing God. It was that in that study, Dr. Blackaby proposes that before faith can move from merely believing something to be true to putting that belief into practice, there comes a moment where a person must make a decision either to move forward or not. There's a moment of decision. There's a crisis a belief. There are times when we've looked in Scripture and there are times when we've experienced this ourselves where the instruction of the Lord seems counterintuitive to human logic. There are times when everything within us says, move forward, and the Lord says, stay right there. There are times in our lives when we want to stay right where we are, and the Lord says, move forward. And the question in this, the crisis of belief is, will we rely on our own logic, as flawed as it is, or will trust the Lord when things don't make sense. The picture that we have here of this woman is that she is one who, for us, stands as the epitome of what it means to step forward in faith when something doesn't make sense. You see, that's where faith comes in. It comes in at that moment where you step forward before you see the results. But remember, it's not faith in circumstances. It's faith in the Lord. It's faith in what we have learned, what Scripture testifies for us about the Lord. That's why it's so important for us to be in the Word and to draw our understanding of who God is from the Word, not from what culture says, not from what our neighbors may say, not even from what human logic may say. The Word testifies to us of who He is and His abilities. And it's that that we trust. We trust in His hand. We trust in His ability. We trust in what He did 3,000 years ago because His power is the, th is the same today as it was then. What He did then, He can do today if He so chooses. And so for us, it is about His ability to move. His character never changes. God's faithfulness never changes. His ability to move over every circumstance we face never changes had the widow left this house thinking well I'm, it's kind of a ridiculous request and only gotten a few vessels in other words if she had not really demonstrated faith in what she had now this is just my my opinion my belief but i believe the lord would have filled the vessels that she got because he's faithful that way 
But because of her lack of faith in believing as the man of God had said to do, it may not have covered the debt that she had. It may not have been enough. And she would have been limited. Hebrews 11.1 says to us, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. For this woman who becomes the epitome for us of one who exercises faith in a circumstance that's overwhelming and seemingly from human perspective impossible, her assurance was in God's unchangeable abilities and her conviction in those abilities allowed her to see, hear this now, allowed her to see what had not yet taken place as if it was completed. She didn't just believe cognitive affirmation of these things. She acted on it. That's faith. It's believing something and putting feet to it. And she demonstrated that. So she went forward. And what did she do? The text implies for us that she gathered many vessels. And not just many vessels, many large vessels. And she brought them into the house and did the inst- inst- as she was instructed by the man of God. She asked for a vessel and she began to pour. And as she began to pour, miraculously the oil, the fixed amount of oil that she had, multiplied. And that vessel filled. And then she asked her sons to bring another. And they poured. And She poured and that vessel filled and asked for another. And so on and so forth until what? Every vessel that she had gotten was filled. Now we don't know how many vessels that she'd gotten. Had she gotten two vessels, I, I believe the oil would have stopped after two. Had she gotten 20 the oil would have stopped after 20. Had she gotten 100, the oil would have stopped after 100. There seems to be an equation here where God's ability to do is partnered together with her faith stepping forward, which resulted in a miraculous thing taking place. The impossible situation that she found herself in was met because God's able to do that. But here's what I want you to understand. Sometimes we look at the end result and we say, oh, faith was worth it. But what I want you to know that her act of faith was not in the amount of oil that she received, but in the amount of vessels she got before the oil ever started pouring. Do you see that? Do you see how her faith was exercised before the oil ever started running. There is a partnership in this that I believe that the Lord brings us to, that our role is obedience. God's role is the results, right? We can't bring anyone, we can't save any, any life. We can't make a, a transition from a lost person to someone who comes to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. But we have a role in that. Our role is to throw seed, God's the one who brings about the results. God's the one who creates the growth. And in that, it's exactly the same as this example that we have here. The results rest in the Lord's hands. The act of obedience is what we do before we ever see the finished product. And for us, again, that's why this this widow stands before us as a picture of, 
as the epitome of what it means to be a person of faith. Well, I want us to look at the final stage, which reveals how faith unlocks great things. And it's the reality that God is faithful. Amen? All of this is testified to God's faithfulness. Everything. Everything that's happened. From the intentional description of an impossible situation that she found herself in, to the counterintuitive instruction that she received from the man of God, to the activity that she gave as she decided, you know, that doesn't make sense to me, but I'm going to do it because this is what the Lord has instructed me to do, to the final testimony of God's faithfulness. Verse 7 tells us, Then he came and t- then she came and told the man of God, and he said, Go sell the oil and pay your debt, and you and your sons can live on the rest. Now, again, I, this is just me. This is, this is my opinion. I don't think she won the, the lottery here. I don't think there was enough oil to care for them for the rest of their lives. But I do think it covered the debt, and I think it covered their needs and expenses until those boys were old enough to start working and go out and bring in income that she was taking care of. I could be wrong. She might have won the lottery as far as all that went, you know, in, in terms of what God gave to her. But I, but I think that, that God was, was taking care of the need that she had, took care of her until that time when he could sustain her through her sons as they went out and worked. The point is that God worked in this widow's life out of an insignificant source. I think there's a key in that for us as God's people. That there are times when we look past things as insignificant that God says, wait, wait a minute, I can do anything. I can do miraculous things through that. Let me tell you where this is an encouragement for me. Because I believe that God works through people that are simply willing to be used by Him. Simply people who are willing to step out. People without any remarkable characteristics about themselves. I I am one of those people. I am just an ordinary, everyday, nothing special about me type of person. And I am so grateful that the Lord has chosen to use me. Nothing that, that I take credit for. There's nothing about me that's redeemable. But God loved me. And he chose me. Just as those of you who are in here that are born again, there was nothing remarkable about you that drew God to you. God chose you because he loves you. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 7 and 8 is the Lord speaking to Israel. And here is the reminder the Lord did not set his, his gaze, his love upon you and choose you because you were more in number than any of the other peoples. For you were the fewest of all peoples. Verse 8 says this, But God, but because the Lord loved you, He chose you. Is that not an encouraging word for us? That there was nothing about us that drew. In fact, the, the Old Testament tells us that, that our righteousness is as filthy rags before the Lord. And that's a very disgusting picture. But He chose us because He loves us. Because he wants to use us. Because he wants to make our lives whole. Because he he wanted to redeem us and then use us as his children that we might be his ambassadors in this world. Sometimes people, they, they think, well, the Lord can't use me, it's just me. 
Good, that's what he wants is just you. Just you. All of your heart given to him for his glory. This is the power of God. You see, the miracle of the oil and the true lesson of the text is the evidence for us, the reminder that that monument that's built in Scripture that God will always come through, that God is always faithful, that He'll come through for those who follow Him, His instructions and put their faith in Him. Now, I want to I qualify that statement because I don't want anybody saying, well, you know, Brother Mike came and he, he preached and he's sharing a prosperity gospel. A name it and claim it. I, I'm not anything but name it and claim it. Listen, people who are name it and claim it, people say, if you have enough faith, God will let you live in the nicest house. You'll never have a problem with your bank account and you'll drive the nicest car. God has no concern over worldly, temporal, temporary things. He's concerned about what lasts. You see, Those who have faith in the Lord are people who still go through struggles. People with great faith are still people who have those that get sick. They lose loved ones. They lose jobs. A year ago, February, Sally and I had the opportunity to go to the International Mission Board and visit and go to their International Training Center. The International Training Center is where they, where missionaries, people who, who surrender to missions, go, receive instruction, whatever they need to, so that they can go out on the field, and then those who come back off the field actually go there and they debrief and whatever training needs to take place before they go back onto the field takes place at that center. But there is a hallway at that International Training Center that's called the Hall of Remembrance. There are wooden plaques with brass names all across them and all the way down that that hallway that are the names of people, faithful people, who surrendered to the Lord that lost their lives on the mission field. It doesn't minimize their faith. The Lord chose to take them home. The Lord chose to draw them at that time. So for us to think that those who have great faith are people who don't experience any difficulties or hardships, much to the contrary, those people who live by faith live in a counterculture of of the world that we're in and find great persecution and struggle. But God is faithful in those moments as well. When we find ourselves in trial is when sometimes we see His glory the most. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. The instruction, the obedience for God's people is, focus your attention on the Lord and let him take care of the details. And that's the picture that we see here. Have you ever been overwhelmed? I think, I think all of us check that box, right? We've all been in times and moments when we've been overwhelmed. Have you ever been in a place where you faced what you thought was the impossible situation? Well, here's the testimony of of this, this text that we looked at today, is that you're never beyond God's help. You're never beyond God's 
God's grasp. You're, that circumstance that you're facing is never beyond his ability to bring you through so that we would sing when the evening comes. When we don't live as God's people, we live in such a way where, where we believe that God can do anything even in the difficult times. I think there, there's a reality where we limit what God wants to reveal. You know, there's something about the miracles of Scripture that even lost people recognize. And many times what we hear lost people say, and sometimes it's the hardness of a lost heart, right? Trying to justify their position and, the, and where they are. We want to know why God doesn't do the things that he did back in the times of Scripture. I believe God's still in the miracle business and still doing those things and still looking for his people to be the vessels through which he works to demonstrate his testimony because in all of these things that we see in Scripture, it was so that Israel would know, so the believers would know, and so the world would know that he has the ability to do these things. For us, let's, let's continue to focus on the Lord. Let's continue to focus on his goodness and what he does. Let's continue to focus our lives and surrender ourselves to his will, to his glory, to his ability, and that we might gain that perspective that he has in the things that we experience and go through in this life. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. We thank you, Lord, for your testimony, for your, the truth that Scripture reveals about who you are about how you love us, about how you care for us, about your greatness, Lord. May we be the people that shine forth that, that testimony to the world. May we be the people in our difficult circumstances that, that maintain that perspective that I'm, I'm not struggling. This is not a problem. This is an opportunity for God to come through that the world may see that, Father, and that they may come to know you. Lord, we love you and we praise you. We ask your blessings upon us as we leave this place, that we might be, that we might be different as we leave because we were here, because we saw your word, because we sang your praises, because of the indwelling of, our Holy, of the Holy Spirit that moves us, that moves us. Father, move us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.